Welcome to the First Nas Podcast. This week, Pastor Paul continues his sermon series, God's Kingdom Is, out of Matthew chapter 13, with the title, God's Kingdom Is a Treasure. Let's listen in as he teaches. I am in Matthew chapter 13. I've been kind of doing a slow walk. Well, we've been doing a slow walk. Pastor Becca preached, uh, Brooke Thomas preached. And then I've been preaching a few weeks here in Matthew chapter 13, looking at these parables, these stories that Jesus told to illustrate what is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is one of Jesus's most important teaching areas, focuses. He, he focuses on the kingdom of heaven, and it's not just a metaphor. I, I think that it's important to for me, occasionally, to step back and say, like, we're talking about parables, so it seems like we're talking about metaphors, we're talking about, like, different ways to understand our faith. The kingdom of heaven, in and of itself, is not just a metaphor. Jesus says the very first public words in Jesus's ministry in the book of Matthew, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That doesn't sound metaphorical in any way. Jesus is saying, this reality that I have come to bring onto the earth is here. And then just a little bit later in, in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And what does he teach them to pray? He says, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we understand that, yes, Jesus said, the kingdom is here, repent, the kingdom is here. But he said, pray that it would come fully. Pray that, that we would experience the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus then teaches in Matthew chapter 13 these, a number of stories that try to help us understand this reality that is the kingdom of heaven. Not this metaphor, not this way we could possibly understand, but what it is to actually be a person who, who accepts Jesus as our king and lives as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven right here on earth. This week, we're looking at the precious reality of the kingdom, the, the treasure that it is for those who find it. And, and the parable we're looking at today, it would tempt us to say, well, good thing that this is all metaphor because that has to be hyperbole. Jesus has to be exaggerating when he's talking in, in these parables. He can't he can't really mean for us to apply these parables to our lives in the radical ways that we kind of would have to apply these to our lives if we apply them to our lives, could he? And, and so, I don't know. I've, unfortunately, I have very few answers and I have more questions today than I have answers. So um, you can join me in trying to figure out the questions and the answers to get to this radical understanding of the kingdom, we start in Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to look at Matthew 13, verses 34 through 36. Jesus says, he's teaching, or well, we'll talk about what's happening, but Jesus says, Matthew 13, uh, 44 through 46, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Okay, so Matthew, through, 
through Matthew 13, he is, he's giving us clues that he has put together an anthology of Jesus's teaching about the kingdom. Like he's, he's not claiming that this is one time that Jesus sat down and he taught all of this in, in one sitting, but there's, there's kind of clues that, that Matthew is showing us, giving us like the full menu of kingdom parables right here in Matthew 13. He's compiled them all. And, and these two parables that we we reading this morning, they, they walk hand in hand. They're very, very similar. They're, they're parallel to one another. And so scholars think Jesus, maybe he taught these two parables together frequently to sort of double the dosage of, the, of this kingdom message that he's giving here, here in, in the parables of the lost treasure or, or the treasure in the parable of the, the pearl. And so let's just dig a little bit. Uh, in, in the first tr- parable, the parable of the treasure hidden in a field, it's found, it's just found. Like it's a little bit frustratingly brief. Uh, the, the story is the man found treasure in a field. And you get the sense that it's just sort of like dumb luck, right? Like he just stumbled upon treasure in a field. Apparently, in the ancient Near East, this is not like a completely uncommon thing to have happen because, you know, there weren't like lots of savings and loan. There weren't like, there weren't really great deposit options for people who wanted to save things. And so people would bury treasure. People would, you know, they'd get a little bit and... And then they might die or forget or, you know. That, and so occasionally, this is not like the rarest thing that could possibly happen historically. It'd be pretty incredible, right? Like, can you imagine going to like plant some flowers in your garden and stumbling upon buried treasure? This is like a remarkable happening. So it's just, it's just found. And we're left to believe that it's sort of just dumb luck. It just... It just happened. He just found it. He just, there it is. And, and so it, Jesus highlights his excitement. He says, in his excitement, his, he's, he's like overjoyed. He, he wasn't expecting this. Whether he was looking for it or not, he was not expecting to find this incredible treasure. And in his excitement, he buries it um, and this is like a little shady ground, ethic, ethically speaking. Um, you know, the, the, the Pharisees, they would have told this story, and then they would have had a debate about whether it was, you know, a moral, mortal sin that the man hid this treasure that obviously didn't belong to him and then gained it by deception. Uh, Jesus doesn't, doesn't put any any moral value on the hiding of the treasure. Jesus doesn't judge, so I guess we don't get to judge either. And so he hides it. He goes and he sells everything he owns. Again, it's like frustratingly brief. He sells everything he owns, everything he has, and he, and he, buys, he buys the land. And... And so that's like, that's where selling everything we, he owns, that's like a, it's like a very extreme measure, right? It's like a very, can you imagine like everything that you have amassed to this point? I mean, maybe it'd be easy if you're like 16 and 
I don't know, maybe not. Can you imagine like selling your phone? (laughs) Selling everything you own. Getting rid of everything you, you have worked so hard to this point in your life to have. He sells everything he owns. He goes and he buys the, the field. Surely Jesus uh, is just talking about someone who wants to be like religiously elite when he talks about somebody who wants to sell everything. Like surely Jesus is, he's talking about the super Christian level of Christianity this isn't, this isn't basic Christianity. In fact, there's some precedent for this. I'll give you, if you want to make this super Christianity, I'll give you your ammo. Are you ready? Matthew 19, Jesus meets a, a rich young man who says, what do I need to do to gain eternal life? And uh, he says, follow the commands. The young man says, I've followed the commands all my life. Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, you want to be perfect. That's like perfect. That seems like super Christian, right? If you want to be perfect, sell everything you own, give the money to the poor, come and follow me. And, and you know, we love to interpret Matthew 19. That's Matthew 19, 21, when Jesus says that. We, we are really good at interpreting that as saying, well, that's obviously a specific command for a specific person and a specific, you know, that's not, that's not everybody, that's, that was that one dude, super Christian level, right? That's, that's his deal. That's not, that is not like generally applicable teaching of Jesus. Um, so, you know, when we look at the parable in Matthew 13, like it's a parable. It's a story to make a point, uh, Jesus isn't, like, making a specific command. He's not teaching directly. And so maybe we can just say, like, sell everything metaphorically. You know, give up a coffee every once in a while. Jesus, Jesus uh, says the man in the, who found the treasure, you know, he sold everything he owned. Isn't that a lovely story? Isn't that illustrative of, of really, really being devoted? But it's just a good story. And we'll have to come back to that because the, the next parable kind of messes with us there again. But let's just, I want to look at the man and this idea that he kind of stumbles upon the treasure. Um, this is not somebody who is a treasure seeker. He, he is not. He's not looking for, for treasure. I think this is, this is like a really amazing picture. This is like the, the illustration of the person whose life is, is not bound toward, not on the trajectory to finding out the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And, and he finds it and he says, this is worth everything I have. Uh, it reminds me of, of my friend Tom. Um, my friend Tom was a farmer in, in the church I pastored in central Washington. Uh, Tom went to junior college, get a degree, learned a little bit more about farming, a little bit more about business uh, when he was a young man to return to the farm and help his family out. And while Tom was, was working on his, his associate's degree, he, he met Shirley, who was a nursing student. 
And uh, Tom had never, never really darkened the door of the church, really had no... Spiritual things were just nowhere in, in his thought process. And, and Shirley had grown up in the Salvation Army. That's like almost Nazarene. Like Salvation Army, like we love, they're our brothers and sisters. So the, she'd grown up in the, in the Salvation Army. And as she got serious about dating Tom, Shirley said, well, you got to meet my folks. And it was on one of Tom's early visits to, to her parents, Shirley's parents, that Shirley's mom sat with Tom at, a, at the kitchen table and, and told Tom about the kingdom, that, that there, there is King Jesus who loves you and who has created you for more than this, Tom, and who wants to make you into the man that he's created you to be. And... Tom found a treasure that changed his life. And, and Tom always liked to tell the story. And obviously, he and Shirley went on and got married and were a part of our church. Tom, Tom always likes to tell the story because his mother-in-law was the most important person in his life. She, she changed his life more than anyone ever could have because she showed him this treasure that was, was worth more than anything he could have ever given well, the second parable about the choice pearl, I'll be honest, I was super disappointed this week in my study about the choice pearl. I've been like reading Matthew 13, pretty stoked on preaching these two parables because it looks like there's a, a contrast in these two parables. And as I was reading them, I was like, uh, this is a great contrast. I can't wait. Because if you just read it, if you just read it straight, the first parable, obviously the treasure is the kingdom of heaven. If you read the second parable, it says, these are the very words it says and in every English translation and in the Greek, it says the kingdom of heaven is a merchant. And so I was really excited to tell you about how the kingdom of heaven is like something you stumble upon and it's worth giving everything up. But then also the kingdom of heaven is out looking for you and it finds you this pearl, this thing that's not clean by Jewish standards and, and it gives everything for you. And I think that's still like a legit interpretation. The problem is there actually isn't a legit interpretation that says that anywhere in any of my research. So I started by like looking at a commentary that usually confirms my biases and I was like really excited to just read like, okay, one scholar is going to agree with me, and then here we go. And he says, well, obviously the, the kingdom is the pearl. And I, I had to reread it. I had to reread it, and I was, <laughs> no, the kingdom is not the pearl, the kingdom is the merchant. It says it right there. And so I, well, this guy's wrong. I'll go and find some other commentary. I opened up another commentary. couldn't in the kingdom is the pearl. I looked at like historic interpretations going back to four, like the 400s, uh, the 300s, the 4th century. I couldn't find a single commentary, a single interpretation of this parable that is written down that says anything other than the kingdom is the pearl. I went to Becca's office because we just gave her a fancy new set of commentaries because, you know, surely this, like, most recent scholarship would confirm my biases. So I don't get to, I don't get to read you the love poem of God that's, like, out searching for you. It was a sermon that wrote itself. 
So, I, you know, I would like to say, like, I'm just smarter than everybody else. But uh, I would tell any other preacher in that situation, sorry, you're not smarter than everybody else. And so, so the kingdom is, is like a merchant, finds a choice pearl, gives everything he has to, to buy it. The, the pearl is, is the kingdom. The, the merchant is, is the person looking for pearls. Um, the, the main difference between the parable of the treasure and the parable of the pearl is that the pearl is being sought. The, the merchant is out looking while the treasure is just sort of stumbled upon. And, and the pearl is, is really similar. You know, it's worth selling everything. When we think about a pearl merchant, that means like all of the pearls that the pearl merchant has he sells that in addition to everything. It says everything he owns. Again, it's everything he has. He's willing to give up everything he has for this choice pearl, this pearl of great value. And the payoff of the parable uh, of the pearl of great price is, is found in, in those who are looking. You know, it, it, this is a parable about, about those of us who are looking for pearls, those of us who, who, are, who are really, and maybe it's, it's beyond those who are just like looking for, for a good deal, right? There, there are people who are looking for, for like really valuable baseball cards, like really valuable, you know, precious moments figurines. Um, this, is, this is a merchant. This is like, this is his, this is his really valuable pogs, Right? Are there still pogs? Like, can you? I bet you could go on eBay and find a valuable pog. Sorry, this is a merchant. This is somebody. This isn't just somebody in their basement on eBay by night. This is his livelihood. He has gone out looking for for something of value for for pearls, and and he has stumbled upon. He has found in his searching something of greater value than all that he has amassed by doing this before. Something that is worth selling everything he has collected up to this point in order to give it up for the sake of this great pearl, which is the kingdom of heaven. There, there are people who spend their lives looking for truth. And, and when they find the truth of the kingdom and they realize what they have found, it must change everything. They have to give up every pearl that they have found along the way. I, I think in, in application of this story, I think of like scholars who are headed down like an, an academic trajectory. They, they are finding wisdom. C.S. Lewis is a great example of this. C.S. Lewis, in 1924, he was given the opportunity to teach philosophy. And in, in his, he thought that having the ability to teach philosophy, it would give him the opportunity to prove that we can have a moral structure to our lives without the existence of anything outside of the physical world. He thought that he thought he'd be able to prove that. And he failed. He failed, and, and he discovered that in order for there to be a moral universe, there has to be a divine 
and, and he discovered what that divine was in, in the truth of Jesus. I, mean, I mention that because our teens are going through uh, Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, in Sunday school. Mere Christianity is, is essentially C.S. Lewis's journey from trying to prove that there could be some moral reality outside of the physical, or with, within only the physical world to, to discovering the truth of the kingdom. A more contemporary example is, is Lee Strobel. Uh, Lee Strobel is a trained journalist. He's an atheist. And he decided he'd, he'd try to find out if there was any truth in the claims of Christianity. And in, in trying to dig into the evidence dispassionately, like a journalist, he, he discovered that Jesus had risen from the dead. He couldn't refute it. It, it looked like a historical fact. And, and he said, if, if, this is, if this stuff is true, it has to change everything about my life. But you don't have to be a, a professional philosopher or an avowed atheist to find the genuine pearl of the kingdom. I mean, good lay people in the church are looking for and finding great pearls. We, there are many pearls that, that we can find, and, and sometimes we elevate certain pearls that we find in Scripture even above the truth of the kingdom. Sometimes we will, we will elevate certain pearls about like what Scripture says about how our lives should look. Um, sometimes we, we, we think that Scripture is, is taking us down, down a path to, to emphasize some small reality. Over this past week, I had two conversations about what, what is it like when somebody passes from life into eternity? Um, these are great pearls. Like, we can find a lot of wisdom. Their scripture has, like, some really interesting things to say about them. Um, I, I don't think those are the pearls of the kingdom of heaven. And I think if this if this parable is, is teaching us something. It's teaching us that like, those great pearls that we can find, that they're worth trading in if we could have the pearl of the kingdom. If we could understand the truth about Jesus and who he is and, and what, what his life and death mean for us, we, we would give up even, even our most astounding insight from Scripture. There's an example of, of a pearl merchant finding the truth of the kingdom in the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had found so many great pearls in his life. He gives his testimony in, in Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians 3, 4, and six, he sa- 4 through 6, he says, If anyone else thinks he has reason to be for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He had collected so many great pearls, so many great religious insights, so much, so many accolades, so many good things that could be said about him. But then his testimony changes in verse 7, and he says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss 
because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul says he'd, he'd trade every pearl he had just to know Jesus. So is it, is it hyperbole? <laughs> uh, sells everything. He sold everything he owned. Is, is that like Jesus' expectation? Does Jesus expect us to, to apply this parable in like the most exaggerated way possible? We could, we could even go so far as to say like Jesus is saying that if you haven't found that which is worth everything you own, everything you've amassed to this point, every decision you make, your job and your family and your leisure and everything, if, if you haven't found that which is worth giving all of that over, you haven't found the kingdom yet. I don't know if that's exactly what Jesus is saying. And I'm not sure I, I have the answer. I'm, I guess what I, what I do know is, is that our world is, expects that kind of cost. And I think about this time of year, uh, we're, in, we're in playoff basketball. I don't know if you're interested in the NBA, like playoff basketball, playoff hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are happening right now. The World Series, the NAIA World Series is coming to town. We, we love athletes who say, I've given everything, devoted, devoted so much to, to achieve this goal. We, we lift that, that sort of devotion, that sort of dedication. We, we love to put that on a pedestal. And we're really inspired by, by movies that do that. You know, like the story of the Lord of the Rings, man, like, we, it's so inspiring, right? Frodo leaves the comfort of the hobbit hole and he has this quest that costs everything. We, we put those models on a pedestal because we, we are so inspired by, by devotion that, that would cost everything. And, and whether we are trying to, to find that thing in this life that would, would be worth giving everything, whether we're trying to do that systematically um, or if we're just like stumbling through life wishing for more, we, we all know the longing of our hearts. It says, I wish I could find something that was worth everything. We all have, have a belief that there is a treasure out there that, that would be worth everything we have worked so hard to create up to this point. And so Jesus, the creator of your heart, the one who wired you the way you are, he, he tells this story to give a, give a little hint. Look, look to the kingdom. Look to Jesus, your king. And when, when you have found him, when you have truly found him, you won't think twice about giving everything, everything 
to follow him. I was sort of agonizing over, over how, how pointed we needed to be with this. Uh, I've been agonizing most of the week. This morning I opened my, my devotional guide. I'm going through Oswald Chambers, my utmost first highest. And today's, today's devotional guide is from uh, Matthew 6.33. Um, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Uh, Chambers, Chambers says it seems so radical. It seems like really what, what Jesus should have told his disciples is, get your ducks in a row, get your things figured out, and then come follow me so you won't be such a mess. Turns out Jesus' message for us is, seek first. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and then everything else will kind of fall into place. You, you, lots of you are graduating from high school right now and it can be really tempting to say, I gotta get, I gotta get ducks in a row. I gotta, I gotta figure out where I'm going, what I'm becoming, how, how I'm going to do this into the future. The voice of experience would say, the ducks are never going to get in a row. <laughs> they're, just, they're just not. Some people seem to, but I don't think they're telling the truth, I'll be honest. Like, ducks are just things, if you wait for everything to come together, like, you're just going to be waiting too long. But I, I will just personally testify when I have been willing to seek first the kingdom when I've been willing to say, all right, Lord, none of the ducks are doing anything they're supposed to be doing, but Lord, here I am, take me, do what you will. I've at least found the strength to continue on. I've at least found the ability to, to go on for another day, to take the next step. And that's really the Lord's given us today. So, Whether we're, we're stumbling along or whether we're systematically rooting it out, may we find that thing that is worth everything. We pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you, God, for the hope that we have in your kingdom. The hope that we have that we could find something worth everything. We live in a world where people around us are looking for that thing that is worth everything. They're inspired by models that they've seen of it. They're inspired by, by people who are fully devoted to, to different things in this life. And Lord, um, we are, we admit, like we, we are really inspired when we hear a story of somebody giving up everything to gain, gain something. Uh, and so, Lord, we, we pray that you would, you would help us. You would help us. Give us the perspective of, of Jim Elliot, who said that he is no fool who gives up that which he can't keep to gain which cannot be earned. Lord, help us to, to remember that all that we give for you, Jesus promised it. Jesus said, uh, blessed are those who, who, will, who give up family and home and, and 
job and possessions for my name's sake, they'll be given back a hundredfold. Lord, we, we just, we love so much sometimes the, the things that we have amassed in this world. We love so much the comfort that we've worked hard to achieve. We, we love so much the, the things we, we think you will rip from us mercilessly. We love so much the, the things that we know are distracting us from you. And so God, you just remind us of the treasure treasure it is to find to follow in your kingdom to live for your kingdom's sake we pray for for your spirit's guidance lord that we would that we would be given the ability lord give up what we need to give up and, and that we would be able Lord to have that treasure that is worth everything we love you God it's in Jesus name we pray amen thank you for joining us for the first NAS podcast we hope to see you soon in person at 1700 8th street in Lewiston